The story behind the phrase stealing someone's thunder has an interesting tie to theatrical history. The internet says it's true. Hey there and welcome to The Internet Says It's True, where every week we learn something that sounds made up but is really true. Part of the WCBE podcast experience, my name is Michael Kent and this is episode 176. Welcome back, tizzlers and casual listeners. It's time to learn something that will make you the coolest person at the party. And if you're going to parties where weird stories about history make you the coolest person at the party, then uh, can I come? Uh, According to numbers I looked at the other day, we've got a lot of new listeners. So welcome to the show. I hope you get the chance to go back and listen to some past episodes and bone up on your weird history. And if you like it, don't forget to give the podcast a rating and a review. Also, you can be a Tizzler. All you have to do is sign up at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. This week, we welcome new Tizzlers, Tim and Bill. Welcome aboard, folks. I'll be mailing you some goodies. And now you have access to all the videos of the guests on the show and ad-free episodes. Also, you can see every episode of my live stream show, Joke Story Trick. Once again, if you want to become part of that community, you won't be sorry. It's patreon.com slash Michael Kent, and you can pledge any amount that you want. I am once again asking for your financial support. Last week's episode was all about a word origin when we talked about Bluetooth. And this week, we're talking all about the origin of a common saying. So let's go all the way back to 18th century England. Let's get on with it. Blow winds and crack your cheeks. Rage, blow, your cataracts and hurricanes spout till you've drenched our steeples, drowned the cocks. You sulfurous and thought-executing fires, vaunt couriers of oak-cleaving thunderbolts, singe my white head, and thou all-shaking thunder, strike flat the thick rodundity of the world, crack nature's mold, All Germans spill at once. That makes ingrateful man. That's from the third act of King Lear, where the thunder plays an important role in the setting. So even in some of the stripped-down performances of the Shakespeare play, the sound of thunder is often still produced backstage to help set the scene. It's more than a sound effect. The thunder plays a role in the play. It's hugely symbolic of the weightiness and chaos that come from King Lear's decisions. Some theater scholars also see the thunder as the voice of God being symbolic of divine justice. In Macbeth, thunder is usually heard whenever the witches appear. It helps to symbolize that chaos and trouble. And it was that use, the use in Macbeth, that gives us the origin of the phrase, stealing someone's thunder. It came from one of the ingenious ways that people came up with for creating that sound in a world without speakers and digital sound effects. One of the most creative ways to create the thunder sound backstage was called a thunder run. Some people call it a thunder box, but that's also slang for outhouse, so we'll stick with thunder run. Also, I'm going to start calling my bathroom the thunder box forever. The thunder run was basically a long wooden trough that could be tilted back and forth or that was permanently tilted to one side. Inside the trough, there would be a series of cannonballs or other large heavy balls. When they would roll across the wood, they would create a rolling thunder sound. There are only three remaining examples of a thunder run in England and only one that actually works, the thunder run at the Bristol Old Vic. Theirs consists of two troughs, each one more than 130 feet long in the rafters of the backstage area. 
It had stopped seeing use in 1942 until it was restored in 2012. You can actually book tours of this theater where you can see and hear it in action. Here's some actual audio of a thunder run. The much more common way to produce thunder is still used today. It's as simple as a large piece of sheet metal that can be shaken or struck to create the thunder sound. They're usually hung from a frame, and they're even sold by popular percussion companies who sell cymbals today. Uh, They sell it as a thunder sheet, and occasionally you'll see them hanging in the back of orchestras or even rock drummer setups like Frank Zappa's drummer Terry Basio. If you've ever heard an orchestra play Mozart's The Magic Flute, you've heard a thunder sheet being used. Here's an example of what that sounds like. The origin of the thunder sheet goes back to a playwright named John Dennis, who created it 315 years ago in London. We'll learn more about John Dennis after a quick break from our sponsors. I'm John DeSando, host of Back Talk. This podcast is an extension of the long-running, award-winning movie review show, It's Movie Time. Back Talk features additional content and banter with guests about new movies. If you want more insight and information about what's playing now in theaters and online, find Back Talk at the WCBE podcast experience on wcbe.org. You'll be happy you did. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing bombs, but unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to the internet says it's true.com slash deals for the link. If you love listening to this podcast every week and you want to show your support, that would mean a great deal to me. You can do that by becoming a Patreon member. We've got members at all levels, whether you want to pledge $1 a month or $10 a month. Just think about the value that you receive from this show. And if you like the histories and the stories that you learn about or the jokes that you hear, and if you think that they're worth it, consider signing up. For that, you get every episode ad-free and a week early, access to bonuses like the unedited videos of the guest appearances, and 20% off all merchandise. You can sign up today at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. That's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Theater plays such an important part in our culture that many of the phrases we use in everyday life originated in the theater. If you've ever called something a comedy of errors, that name literally comes from the name of an early Shakespeare play called Comedy of Errors, in which two twins are continually confused with one another and two servants share the same name. A more obvious theater reference is Waiting in the Wings. I probably don't have to explain this one, but I will anyway. In a theater, the wings are the areas to either side of the stage where an actor may wait for their next appearance on stage. But in everyday life, we use this for anyone waiting for their opportunity. 17th century theater was the first description 
where we saw someone use the phrase, bringing down the house. And if you're in the limelight, it means you're enjoying the attention of others. Limelights were a type of light originally designed for ships, but most commonly used in theaters before electrical lighting. They were an oxyhydrogen flame on a cylinder of lime and then concentrated with a glass lens. And these were literally the first theater lights, and they changed the game. Theaters no longer had to be built with open roofs that faced east and west. Evening theater shows could take place indoors because of limelights. There's a giant list of these, and I won't go into all of them, but Break a Leg, the story I've heard for this one has to do with the leg line, which was apparently a line on the stage that meant you were in front of the audience. If you were past the leg line, the audience could see you, and thus you were getting paid. So you wished that people would break the leg line and get paid. There are other possible origins of this one. Some people think that John Wilkes Booth breaking his leg when jumping from Lincoln's theater box was the origin, but the phrase predates 1865. Get the show on the road, showstopper, the show must go on, and bravo, all originated in theater and made their way into popular language. Upstaging is used to describe when someone takes over the attention from someone else, and in theater the upstage area is the one furthest from the audience, and it may seem counterintuitive, but the person furthest upstage would be the one that was speaking or the focus of attention, and the other actors on stage would arc away from that position, listening to that person talk. Another term for upstaging is stealing someone's thunder. And that's the final phrase we'll talk about today that has its origin in theater. So let's get back to John Dennis. Dennis was a literary critic and a dramatist. In 1704, he made his mark with Liberty Asserted, a stage tragedy that he wrote to strike a chord with the popular hatred for the French. The play depicted a violent attack on the French that crowds loved in the theater at London's Lincoln Inn Fields. He followed it up with another original work entitled Appius and Virginia. This was a play that was just a reworking of an earlier play by John Webster, and it explored early themes of politics and power in ancient Rome. One of the things that Dennis added to his version produced at Drury Lane Theatre in London was a unique sound effect. The audience would swear they could hear a storm off in the distance with realistic thunder. Dennis came up with the idea to hang sheet metal from a frame and shake or strike the metal to mimic the thunder sound. This is the origin of the thunder sheet we discussed earlier. Sadly for Dennis, his production of Appius in Virginia flopped. It was so bad, no one talked about it, people didn't go, and the Drury Lane Theater shut it down. This was a huge blow to Dennis, who had previously been a very well-respected critic, but who had become withdrawn and reclusive. Some say even threatened by younger culture and newer developments in art and theater. And that helps us understand why he was so angry about what happened next. It's awful any time someone steals your work without permission. But Dennis had come up with this ingenious method to very easily create a thunder sound, a sound used by many pieces of theater, especially as a Shakespearean literary device. So when John Dennis attended a staging of Macbeth across town in London, and heard his own design of a thunder device being used backstage during the production, he instantly recognized it. It felt like yet another blow to his career and reputation. He stood up during the performance, interrupting the play, and shouted, That is my thunder, by God. The villains will play my thunder, but not my play. They had stolen John Dennis's thunder. Another version of this story has Dennis standing up and yelling, Damn them! They will not let my play run, but they steal my thunder. And this story became very well known throughout England. 
so much so that it lasted hundreds of years. It was first seen in print in the early 1800s. There are some claims that the stealing of thunder idiom goes back to the ancient Romans and the stealing of thunder from the god Jupiter, but there's not much evidence to to support that. There's certainly nothing in print that predates the John Dennis story. So there it is, an unusual story about the origin of another common saying. The internet says it's true. And with that, I will thunder out. time for Yap Yap with me and a friend, and today I'm catching up with longtime guest of the show, Eric Dittleman. Eric is one of the nation's most successful mind readers, and I've been trying to get him back on the show for so long. We finally made it work this week. Hello, friend. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. <laughs> I'm well. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Yeah. What was the last episode you were on? It was it was sometime last I don't year. Remember? Yeah, it was a while ago. Well, you're coming at a good time because uh, we have a lot of new listeners as of last week. So. Um, oh, great! Yeah, fantastic. So yeah, it's it's a fun topic, and I think you're going to do pretty well on it. Uh, and and that's mostly because of well, I don't want to say why because that might might ruin it before we get to the first question oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Don't, with all don't of spoil. that said how was your holiday how's the winter been you're in Good. new york yeah. so it's probably pretty cold there yeah we just got our first snowfall that like broke a 700 day streak of no snow or wow. something like that something crazy because wow. like last some last um last winter was very mild so uh i was actually uh, just got back from a little winter retreat uh, in upstate New York, just got a, a couple of friends of mine went to a cabin uh, in the woods just to work on some writing and some reading, and it was like almost picture, picturesque. Yeah. And they had a dusting of snow, and then it snowed while we were there. So oh, how cool is that? I've, yeah. uh, uh, Jonathan Burns, uh, another friend of ours, uh, entertainer, and I always talk about doing like one of those, like a like a writing retreat in a cabin somewhere, and then we yeah. can just never make it work with the time. It's so hard to get people's schedules to all work together exactly. to do that exactly and uh the only problem was driving in the snow on the yeah. way back so. i'm i'm worried about that i have a five yeah. and a half hour drive to upstate new york next week or no a week and a half from now and so i have Actually, no idea yeah. what the weather's gonna be i mean i'd much rather when there's snow on the ground i'd much rather be driving than flying because with flying if to, if it's to a show because with flying mm-hmm. it's so out of your control and right. you're going to add 20 minutes to your delay departure because of or departure delay because of the icing. And it's just it's it's a little bit yeah. less uh, reliable. But yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm how I'm, about you. I'm how t- are your holidays? It, yeah. <laughs> holidays were rough. Uh, had some have still have some family health issues. My, my father in law has been been uh, mm. in the hospital for a few months. So um, so we spent Thanksgiving and Christmas in in the in the in the hospital eating cafeteria food and here, yeah. thank you yeah we actually figured out that the vending machine machine food was better than the cafeteria food oh, so yeah. we we did a lot of that and there's a lot of bags <laughs> of like chips and fritos and stuff and um but we did actually you know get to have time together which was nice yeah, so that is nice. um back home now obviously and uh shows started up last week and mm. uh now it gets it starts to get pretty busy so I'm sort of good, I'm trying to, to enjoy busy. Yeah, I'm trying to enjoy this like lull right now before things get crazy. So the first 6 months of the year for me are a little nuts. So um yeah. which is good, which is good. So, uh haven't had you on in a while. Uh what we always do is play for a joke for the first question. So if you get it wrong, have a joke. 
Uh, if you get it right, I'll tell you one. I'll probably tell you mine anyway because it's really long and it, it, mm. I liked it. It made me laugh. So that's what I've been doing. Uh, which, I got to think of a you, joke I haven't done for. It's been podcast, so long. But... You could probably do it again and the listeners <laughs> okay, probably okay, forget. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. one of these explanations explains the origin of the phrase stealing someone's thunder? So A, it comes from the Trojan War when legend said that Troy had stolen the rain from the Greeks leaving their crops dry. B, it was derived from the hip-hop slang for success, and it came out of 1960s New York City culture. Or C, it was derived from an 18th century playwright whose method for making thunder sounds was copied by another theater. Ooh, um, I was thinking at first of like, greek uh prometheus stealing the fire kind of thing but now that you said the theater one i think it's that because like using like the metal sheets to to make the thunder and if someone like copies that maybe that was like proprietary at the time so i'm going c the answer is c absolutely it is it is c um now i will give you like even uh, you get a special mention however because one alternate explanation uh, is that it may be connected to the stealing of thunder from the Roman god Jupiter, and that the usage of the saying, you know, that goes way, way before, uh, obviously, 18th century. But the most common is that you've probably seen the the old thunder sheets. You know, it's literally yeah. just a sheet of metal hanging, and they shake that to make thunder. That is what this guy came up with. But his play that he came up with it for was a total flop. Meanwhile, on the other side of town, someone was putting up Macbeth and they needed to make it thunder. And the dude stood up and stand and, and yelled, damn them. Uh, they will they will not let my play run, but they steal my thunder. That's the quote from uh, from John Dennis, the guy who is credited with having invented the thunder. So and that, that's maybe why there's all those famous curses around Macbeth's plays. Yeah. The Macbeth play. Yeah. <laughs> He cursed them for uh, stealing thunder. <laughs> so here's a joke. Okay. A traveler. Because I didn't have one, by the way. That's so good. I'm happy okay. I got that right. <laughs> this is a long one. <laughs> a traveler was walking along the side of the road in Arizona, hitchhiking on a dark night in the middle of a thunderstorm. Time passed slowly. No vehicles went by. It was raining so hard he could barely see his hand in front of his face. Suddenly, he saw a car approaching. It was moving slowly and appearing ghost-like in the rain. It slowly and silently crept toward him, and he stopped. He wanted to ride very badly, so he jumped in the car, closed the door, and only then he realized there was nobody behind the wheel, no sound of the engine to be heard over the rain. Again, the car crept slowly forward, and the guy was terrified, too scared to think of jumping out and running. And he saw that the car was approaching a sharp curve, and still was too scared to jump out. He started to pray and beg for his life, and he was certain the ghost car would go off the road and into the river, and he would surely drown. But just before the curve, a shadowy figure appeared at the driver's window, and a hand reached in and turned the steering wheel, guiding the car safely around the bend. Then, just as silently, the hand disappeared through the window, and the hitchhiker was alone again. The guy was paralyzed with fear, and he watched the hand reappear every time they reached a curve, and finally, frightened nearly to death, had all he could take, and he jumped out of the car, ran through the storm to the nearby town. He, he was wet, and then he was in shock, and he goes to this lighted tavern with a voice quavering. He, he ordered, quivering, I guess it should be, ordering two shots of whiskey, and then shaking. He told everybody about his supernatural experience. A silence came over those listening, and everybody got goosebumps. They realized the guy was sober, and he was telling the truth, and the sounds of the storm continued outside. 
About a half hour later, two guys walked into the bar and one says to the other, Hey, look, man, there's that idiot that rode in our car while we was pushing it in the rain. Did you see that I coming? Like how that one started as a horror story. Yeah. Like a long, short, short uh-huh. horror story. Yeah. It seems super creepy. And there's like a large Marge type of thing. And then, yeah, absolutely. It's funny because uh, telling it the second time after reading the punchline, it seems very obvious what the punchline is going to be. So I guess maybe that's a good punchline because it's not, I didn't see it coming the first yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, man. So any shows lined up recently or, or coming up soon? Um, yeah, I have a couple shows uh, for the public to come see, too. Um, I'm going to be in uh, Delaware at the Smyrna Opera House, S-M-Y-R-N-A okay. Opera House. Uh, and uh, that's February 24th. So if you're in the Delaware area, you can come check that out. Nice. Uh, otherwise, if you're in New York City, you can catch me sometime um, at uh, Speakeasy Magic. I fill in there. Um, so it just depends on the day. You might happen to catch me, but it's a great show no matter who you see on that night. And um, that's the fun off-Broadway close-up magic and mind-reading experience. Yeah. Very good. So, Very good. Yeah. And plus other private shows that are I'm taking me all over. I'm heading to Washington State for a few shows at the end of the month and oh, yeah, beautiful. all over the place. I yeah. love Washington State. I've, I've only performed there a few times, but every time I get out, I just like I breathe in and I'm like, oh, my God, fresh air. I was just talking about this with Donnelly. Like you get there's just something about the air up there in the Pacific Northwest that you're just reminded of how dirty it is where you live. You know, (laughs) it's it's because of the Sasquatches. Yeah, the the Sasquatch farts are wonderful smelling. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Question two for this next question. We're playing for an admission of our worst habit. So whatever your worst habit is, in your opinion. Which one of these is a real method to create a lion's roar sound? Mm. A, opening a squeaky door and then slowing the sound down. B, attaching a string or spring to a large drum and pulling on it. Or C, spinning a large tube connected to a string over your head. Uh, I can picture all of those. I like that the answer also just doesn't include um, Mike a lion or bring a lion backstage. <laughs> yeah, right. A practical, we, we should set a, should have said a practical way to create a lion's roar. Yeah. I think I might actually know this. Uh, again, I go to this, um, my, one of my favorite museums in New York is the Museum of the Moving Image, and they have a whole section that's just ADR. So it's all about like Foley artists and that kind of stuff. So my guess is be the drum with the string. You are correct. It is the drum <laughs> with the string. I thought maybe you would know I, that uh, as part of your your history with 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 bands and with music mm. um, because that uh, was my maybe, experience yeah. being in a percussion section it was always up to us to I, I don't remember what piece of music we had where we needed to create a lion's roar in the music mm. but we had one of these it was it it was the kind that I believe they market you can sell it and so it's like a big tom-tom or like a floor mm. tom and in the begin in the middle of the drum head there was like a metal spring. And so all you had to do like a really tight spring is run your thumbnail over the spring, which would create your vibration. And then as you do that, it, it resonates the drum for other versions I've seen are a string with some sort of rosin, whether it's beeswax or whatever, so that you get the the friction to vibrate the drum. And that's what I was picturing. Yeah. It sounds good. I'm going to put in that sound right here. Really sounds like a lion roar. 
So, um, cool. yeah. You just be honest. You just put in a an actual uh, lion. <laughs> no, that was that was the artificial lion's roar. That was the string and the drum. Uh, I promise. I think the other two you mentioned too, spinning like a coil around your head. That could be wind, but also like it reminds me of the Brad Bird uh, did the sound effects for Star Wars and like the lightsabers. What were uh, the lightsabers like, were like a, metal or something, right? Like hitting metal. It was like an electrified spring that you hit uh, on one end and it just kind of coiled down. I believe. Uh, I could have this all wrong. I I don't. I didn't do my research on the internet. So. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so, you, so Michael, you'll have to do a future episode on yeah. other uh, Foley effect. Absolutely. And then the other creaky door is just like probably like just some like a creaky door sound. It sounds. Yeah, like. there were other. Um, I believe it was the the ATAT sound, or maybe mm. it, no, maybe it was no, it wasn't. It was the. Um, it was the what were the Imperial Starship or Star little the Imperial Fighters called? TIE Fighters? It was the TIE uh, Fighter, I believe, that was an elephant that was slowed elephant. down. It was an elephant's cry yeah. that was slowed way down for that for that yeah. sound. Something in, else in Star Wars. Uh do you have I a I also love oh. the uh the raptor, like the raptor sound or the T-Rex sound in Jurassic Park is just like four different animals like mashed together. It's oh, crazy. I love that yeah. stuff, man. Yeah, and you yeah, said there's a museum that, that talks about this in, in New York? Well, it talks about filmmaking and, and okay. television production. So one of the booths, you can actually go in and do your own Foley stuff. You can also do ADR. You can watch a clip and like redub the uh, the dialogue. It's yeah. really fun and interactive talking about the movie making process. So That's a lot of great. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a worst habit? I got this right. I don't have to say mine. Oh, you did get it right. Shoot. I, I have a worst <laughs> habit. My bad. I was trying. I was just trying to find out more about you. Um, <laughs> no, my worst habit is got to be. It's definitely fidgeting. I do not sit still, um, which is funny because like I'm someone who historically uh, I'm a meditator. Like I meditate and uh, I sit still for that. If I have a goal, you know, but if I'm just doing something else, I cannot stop my tapping my feet. And it's not too, I don't have a song in my head. I just do it and I don't realize I'm doing it. Um, it could be stimming, like ADHD stimming, um, which probably is because when I drive, I definitely do that. Like I tap, I tap my fingers together. I do all kinds of stuff. But it, as you can imagine, annoys the crap out of people around me. And every once in a while, Allie will be like, you're being really loud. Like we were in the waiting room at the hospital and I had headphones on, so I had no idea. And I was tapping my feet and like, you know, drumming on the see, She was like, you're being very loud, <laughs> which she said loud because I had headphones on. <laughs> no, you are. Um, I know they have those like fidget spinners or the fidget cubes for your, to keep your hands occupied. Is there a foot version that, that would be do for your feet? I don't know that it would work. I'd probably or end like up a, just tapping my feet on that thing, whatever it was. Here's the plan. We need to get you. Remember those uh, skip it toys? Like a skip. Yeah. You need Absolutely. to have one looped around one ankle and you just keep skipping around over and over again at all while, times. While seated, that'd work your abs pretty good, I feel like. That would be amazing. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, if we hooked me up to some sort of energy generating device, I could power a whole town. Uh, oh, wow. You know, like they have uh, under your desk, they have like exercise bikes that are just your foot, you know, or just for your feet. So I could do that and then I could keep the lights on. That was one of the more clever puzzles in one of the escape rooms I did where you had to ride the, the bike to generate power in some underground bunker. So one person had to keep riding the bike while everyone had to do like the the stuff with, in the room with the lights on. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 
And I guess you figure that out pretty quickly when you ride the bike and it works and then they turn off when you stop riding the bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. <laughs> we were talking about escape rooms the other day because there's one on the um, quest that, that I was playing. I don't even remember the name yeah. of it now. I think you should yeah. die or something ex- like that. I expect, I expect you to die. I expect you and to die. three sequels. I think I have two of them. The yeah, I think yeah. I have two of them and I, I haven't beaten either one of them. I remember getting stuck and then just ending it. The only thing I play on the quest now is the puzzling places, which is a 3D puzzle mm-hmm. generator, like a jigsaw puzzle, but it's in 3D. And oh my god, I love it! I love it so much. It's so relaxing. I was telling you, we got to play mini golf. It's so I great. do. It's I very do. relaxing. Yeah, we got to play. I I still have not downloaded it, but I'll I'll put that on mine so I can. I just have the old. Um, mine was called the Oculus Quest, <laughs> the Oculus yes. before yes. Meta. So. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Actually, I think that Meta came along right as we bought because I remember it changed the the logo changing from Oculus to Meta on mine. And when you reset where you're looking in the virtual reality, it's still the Oculus logo. It's the only place the Oculus logo still exists is when you reset the thing. There's a little O. Everything else has changed to Meta. This conversation is very boring to the folks who don't um, have (laughs) one of these. Yeah, it's really cool. It was a it was a gift, and I probably would not have bought it for myself, but I love it. It's one of those things like I'm really happy I have because it's it's relaxing. It's really nice. It was really great during lockdown because it felt like you were able to leave your house. Oh yeah, you know what I did <laughs> yeah. a few times was there's a I don't know what app it is or what program it is or whatever, but it's um it's basically Google Street View, but mm. you can use the Oculus. So I used it a few times to go places that I had actually been in real life, like other countries, and walk down a street that I had actually walked down in real life. And that was really cool. Nice. That was really neat to see. Uh, also very cool for, for 360, like um, VR YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Uh, cool. For the next question, for question three, we're going to play for a sticker, okay. uh, as we always do. It's three inches, Great. it's orange, and it's sticky. This one, uh, I think you're going to do okay on, because here's your question. What popular play's name is bad luck to say in a theater? <laughs> Good thing I'm not in a theater right now, but it would be Macbeth. Yes, the, the questions Person. were, uh, or the, the choices were Shakespeare's Hamlet, Shakespeare's Macbeth, or Goethe's Faust. And the answer, of course, is Macbeth. Um, so, I should stop giving extra answers while, when I answer <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. Do you know why? Or, or I'm just a very good mind reader. <laughs> you could be. You, was, you could just coming. be reading my script right now. <laughs> You're either a mind reader or a hacker. One of the two. What uh, Do you know why the Macbeth thing started? I, at some point in my life, knew why. Yeah. At this current instant, I can't think of why. <laughs> All right. So you lose this question. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I know the, um, the whistling was also bad backstage. I learned that one, the, too. So the whistling one is very the, um Yeah, that's the sailors would work the, the ropes and like all the sandbags and stuff. So if you whistled the wrong tune, it might activate a, you know, a sandbag or a set dropped on your head. Yeah. Yeah. This was yeah. before lights and before, you know, electronic means of communication. And so they communicated backstage with the stage managers and stuff who weren't really called stage managers back then, but they communicated with whistles. So if there were actors backstage whistling, they would they would signal stuff inadvertently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the thing with Macbeth is when it opened, the person who was supposed to play Lady Macbeth, that guy died and Shakespeare mm-hmm. had to play the part that night. And then in a different production, someone got stabbed because there was an actual real knife where there was supposed to be a fake knife. And all of these events in a short amount of time were happening during the production of Macbeth so much that they 
basically said, you know, there's so many accidents and misfortunes. They said, you can't say Macbeth, which which leads us to believe now that if you're on Broadway, you're not allowed to say Spider-Man in a theater. <laughs> you'd like. Turn off the dark. You got to specify. Turn off the, yeah, you're not allowed to say Spider-Man, turn off the dark. <laughs> That's one for people to Google if you want to look that one up. The Internet says yeah. it's true. Uh, <laughs> you're a you're a you're an avid theater goer. Uh, so I yes. figured that you would you would get that one right, as well as someone who works in many, many theaters. Uh, you are, my friend, three for three. Woo! Uh, question four. Which one of these, this, oh, we're going to play for an admission of the best thing that's happened to us this week. Hmm. So, um, okay. yeah, you can just pick any one thing. Which one of these plays is the longest running musical in Broadway history? Is this another one you can answer before? I want the choices okay. just to confirm. Just to confirm. I have an idea okay. I'm not sure if the choices are going to help you if you don't already know. A, Phantom of the Opera. B, Cats. Or C, a chorus line. Oh, so here's the thing is I feel like some of these might have been broken. This is going to be um, not, let's not talk about the pandemic at all. Right. Okay. Uh I, so first off the top of my head, so I just recently, right before it closed, was Phantom. And that was like 37 years, I want to say. Um, so I don't know if that broke. Originally, when you asked the question, I thought it was chorus line, because I know at one point it did hold the longest uh, records. I just don't know if uh, Phantom surpassed it. Uh, it's, gonna, it's hard. Yeah, these are all yeah, obviously long running yeah. shows. It's not Cats. I know that. <laughs> Uh, because the movie itself should have just ended that streak. <laughs> and removed, removed its history? Just yeah, wiped yeah. out its legacy? Um, you know, I'm going to just go with my first instinct, even though I don't think... I think it was surpassed, but I'm going to say a chorus line. The answer, it's Phantom. Yeah, it is I, Phantom. I, I, you knew it! I, you knew it! I know, I was wavering. It could be 37, <laughs> but the info I said was 35. It was almost 14,000 performances. It opened in 1988. It closed last April. Um, so here's what was interesting. Cats ran for longer than a chorus line. Chorus line ran for 15 years. Ah. Cats ran for 18 years. Chorus line had some record for a while. But Probably I, did. Um, yeah. Now, I've seen both Cats and Chorus Line. No, I didn't see Chorus Line. I saw Cats and Phantom on Broadway. And yes, I thought... Chandelier, huh? Yeah. Never have been impressed by the chandelier. Everyone talks <laughs> about it. And then I go to see it. I've seen it also uh, on the touring company, like more recently. And every time it comes, there are two things that I gripe about Phantom of the Opera. One of them is that when the chandelier falls, I always expect it being more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like faster, catastrophic. catastrophic. Instead, it always comes down in like, it feels like it's coming down in slow motion. Hmm. Um it is interesting well, that there's a giant chandelier that comes down to the stage, but I want it to crash yeah. and break, you know, like I want it to fall in real speed. It's, it's more about the impressive impressiveness of the size of it. I think I so. Yes. But, but uh, I heard the uh, first time it fell, it was because people were whistling backstage. So. <laughs> <laughs> Who's whistling? Oh, the, the sailor dropped the chandelier, Gary. Um, Leave it in. Leave, <laughs> Leave it in. in. <laughs> Brent. Uh yeah, that yeah. so the other thing is that the music 
from Phantom of the Opera is very dated to me. When it mm. came out, it was the late 80s. There's a lot of synthesized keyboard parts that I think would sound so much more majestic with an organ sound. It is an organ, but it's it's a very like synthesized organ sound. And they've never... I always want it to be right. more majestic and more sound like an old theater instead of it sounds like 1988 it's New York. like synth pop. It is, yeah. And I don't like <laughs> I don't like that. Even the, the drums as well. It's like... Yeah. Yeah. I'm also just, for all my people who know I'm a theater person, apologizing I got that wrong. I should know that. That's okay. They're all long-running shows. And there may be some loophole that you're thinking about that I don't know about where Chorus Line stopped and ran again. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but in but any case, admit, yeah, what happened to you this week? Um, being in a cabin yeah. in front of a fireplace. Once again, you've already to, stolen your own thunder. Uh, yes. Uh, listening to old records that were in this amazing Airbnb of like James Taylor and Earth, Wind and Fire. And wow. just like, it was just perfect. Uh, we, with a book and a fire going and snow falling. Yeah, it was nice just to clear your head and relax and get out of the city. So That sounds incredible. Did you get any writing done? Did, was it successful? A little bit of writing, a lot of reading. Um, did an old trip to my old campus in Ithaca. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then uh, went to the Gorges as well, which was very cold. I bet. But it was amazing to see them. So Where's yeah. that? I've never been to the Gorges. They're just all around uh, the city of Ithaca. There's like so three or four major ones okay. um, just around the Finger Lakes. And uh, yeah, that's why Ithaca, if you ever see, they have shirts that say Ithaca is gorgeous. It's a pun. <laughs> I did not know that that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. The close, we have, a, we have a gorge. Well, there's one here in Hilliard that's very small. It's fun to go to, but it's not, no one travels to it. But the one, um, Cumberland is the one where everyone goes, you know, which is probably a good four, maybe four or five hour drive from here. Oh, that's great. It's in Kentucky. Uh, all right, so you've gone three for four, and this question is for all the marbles. If you get it right, you're welcome back on the podcast anytime. If you get it wrong, you're banned for life. Here's your okay. question. I you, was worried I got the last one wrong, and that's why it's been so long since I've been on. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> no, obviously, I try to get you all the time. You're just a busy man. Uh, you're an avid theater patron, as we've discussed. Here's your question. What was the absolute best theater experience you've ever seen? This can be musical. This can be play. This can be you know, uh, variety. This can be whatever you want. Can you think of one theater experience that just blows them all out of the water? How can you even choose, man? How can you choose? You have to choose one, one baby to like more than the other babies. Uh, how do I do that? I can't even tell you. I'd have to go through my playbill folders. and (laughs) (laughs) I've never had anyone get question five wrong, Eric. So you better come up with one. You thought it was going to be a toss-up. You're like having me choose between children. That's yeah. not fair. Um, let me think. What's what one that you can brag about? Can we do that, that? One that blew me away. Uh, I'll just do it because it's one of, it was one of the first Broadway shows that I saw. I went with my family. I got to see how to succeed in business without really trying. And it was when Matthew Broderick was <sighs> out and John Stamos was in what? as the lead. Stamos. And, um, in the audience, even, was uh, the guy who played Steve, the boyfriend. 
<laughs> DJ's boyfriend from Full House. Yeah. Um, and and like uh, voice Prince of, Eric. Uh, Aladdin. Aladdin. Oh, no, Aladdin, Aladdin. not Prince yeah, Eric. Yeah. yeah, the voice of Aladdin. Because he shows up in that Disney episode where they go and he's like on the float. And yes. DJ thinks he sees him anyway. Yes. Yeah. I remember but uh, that. also in the audience was Bob Saget. Wow. So, That's um, exciting. That makes it more memorable. Yeah, that was a hell of a production. All right. Years, we'll years call years that a win. We'll say sure. that that's a, a good answer. Um, I saw Chicago on Broadway, and the uh, the lead was Huey Lewis. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I just saw, speaking of, the Back to the Future musical. Oh, man, which, that uh, looks so good. It's it's a really fun show. It is exactly the movie. Is it? Uh, pretty much. With some song, um, extra songs and stuff. With some no songs extra in the movie. songs. But also the songs that you expect from the, the movie Huey Lewis are, songs. Yeah. are in there. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, you know, the actors are very good, specifically who they got for Biff and George McFly. It's like an exact impersonation. Is it, it really? Is uh, fantastic. Doc Brown is a famous actor, isn't it? Um, he's, he's one that's, yeah. He was I've seen him like, in other stuff, yeah. I feel like. And I don't recall his name, but he reminds me of like a. He's been uh, in a bunch. He reminds stuff. me of Kevin Klein, the the film actor. Sure, but that's but not the him. Uh, you know Marty's voice sounds just like Marty, oh, really? and then the magic effects of just like especially the ending sequence with the clock tower is just so phenomenal. The way they do projection and scrims, and you know having the car, that's great. I love it's it. So good. Theater tech has come a long way from the uh, 18th century. Uh, when we were just shaking pieces of metal. Yes, indeed, indeed. And that brings us to wrap up a little bit. Go find Eric Diddleman online. You can find him at Eric Diddleman. That's D-I-T-T-E-L-M-A-N. Uh, you can find him at com. I believe. Is that correct? Did I get that yeah, right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, yep. And you can see where he is appearing near you. If you're in New York, go and see one of his shows or wherever yeah. he is. Or book me for your private events or company events, colleges. I do it all. Yeah. Or just go to YouTube and see some of the, the many, you know, appearances he's had on different television shows. We mentioned them and all, you, except for Ellen, yeah. right? Every, every <laughs> except for Ellen. <laughs> well, that that was the only one you just mentioned. You didn't mention any of the others. Sorry. So you just did the opposite effect. My bad. No, it's fine. It was great. <laughs> uh, I had a blast on all the shows. And then... um the um my instagram if you want to follow me at e diddleman on instagram you can actually keep up with all the theater shows i see i usually post all those playbills i know i see, I, I see those and i'm so jealous you go to more shows than anyone i know uh and so you were perfect for this episode and uh next time you say stealing someone's thunder you have the the accurate background story for it that's great that's it's great. good to see you buddy good to see you thanks for having me between you and me i have not written this week's show yet so i i wrote this today leave this in leave this in <laughs> <laughs> patreon this is a, a patreon exclusive <laughs> that is all for this week thank you so much to eric diddleman for being my guest and thanks to you for listening here's the voice of a kid who stole your kid's thunder thank you for listening to the internet says it's true to listen to episodes ad free and a week early support us on patreon you can do that at patreon.com forward slash michael kent If you learned something just now that you didn't already know, go to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That helps us a ton, because that's how the algorithm works. I don't know what an algorithm is, but just do it! See you next week for a brand new episode of The Internet Says It's True! 
The internet says it's true. We'd like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Sean Brown, Joshua Endress, Dallas Ray, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Jim and Joanne Martin, Mitch and Andrew Joseph Kemplin, and the show's official emperor, Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and all audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent.